Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, I am joined by Daniel Tyndall, and I met him a few weeks ago, about a month ago now, uh, through the recommendation of another podcast guest, Gus. And um, Daniel is a mindset and menswear coach. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's it, it honestly is a privilege to have you here because I really want to talk to you about so much today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for this. Yeah. No problem. So I think the first thing that I really want to we I mentioned the word men's work. Mm-hmm. And I think that although I know what it is, you know what it is, and it's such an important part of um what I strive to be, what exactly is men's work? Let's give a clear definition for, for the listeners. Yeah, so men's work is about men supporting one another to do the work. So the work is the inner work. What can we change uh, internally? What mm-hmm. beliefs can we look at? What attitudes, look at our past? What can we change internally to change our external world? taking control of the controllables so that's the work men's work is about men supporting men to do that and creating the environment in which we can all do that together to be better men Mm -hmm. and I think what you do is it's invaluable really because for so long something like self-development has been a massive part of my life for for such a long time and you know when I when I met you and and I, I messaged you on Instagram as well I think that I found that the work seems to be kind of it's it's easier I don't know whether I'll be very careful with my language here because I don't want to come across as judgy or um, outcasting any any people but I do tend to find that when it comes to the majority of people that are into to self-development tend to be females and I think that I've I've bonded with lots of people females specifically because they have been doing more work like introspectively and, and, and I think that's probably a societal thing. I think men as a, as a whole, you know, we're, we're kind of like, right, just, just crack on. And, and I very much had a belief system that, you know, if I couldn't do anything about it, like there was no point worrying about it or there's no point even thinking and reflecting on it, you know, at all. So I just kind of like blocking off any, any what air quotes, uh, negative emotions, you know, grief, sadness. And I know they're not negative emotions, but um, that, that was my viewpoint. So stuff with the men's circle, stuff with the retreats and the one-to-one stuff, I think is is incredible. So how did you get into that? Mm. So my journey, I guess, started, I was a personal trainer. Um, so I started off getting into mindset development first. Mm-hmm. Um, and that came from being a personal trainer and getting frustrated that I was, I was a lot younger when I was doing a personal training and I was getting frustrated that people were paying me good money to achieve mm-hmm. results. Yeah. yeah. A large majority of them were just there turning up, but not doing the work in the rest of their lives. Um, and eventually I sussed out because I, I was a, a really fat kid. I was a beast when growing up and then something clicked. I was like, this isn't me. This isn't how I want to be. I'm going to do something about it. A year later, I completely changed my physique, dropped mm. like four and a half stone, became an athlete, martial artist. Um, I was like, well, I, I did that on my own. So why are these people not, they're coming to me for my knowledge and expertise, yet they're not imp- implementing that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then I sort of cottoned on that it's all about mindset. Uh, they didn't really believe that they could change. They didn't really want to. Mm-hmm. Um, there were lots of uh, limiting beliefs and societal pressures mm-hmm. um, that meant they weren't taking this stuff on board. Mm. So I was like, ah, so before even I, I can help them change their physique, I need to change their mindset into a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, so the two different types of mindset fixed uh, means these. this is how intelligent I am. This is um, my level of capability. I'm not going to push myself outside that because if I fail, it reaffirms that I'm not intelligent, courageous enough, good enough. Whereas a growth mindset will take any opportunity to learn. And that means stepping out of your comfort zone. If I fail, great. Where are the lessons? Because mm-hmm. I'm going to learn from them and come back better, bigger, mm-hmm. stronger. Um, so, yeah, developing that growth mindset is kind of fundamental to life. Mm. I love that. And I think that I completely agree. Where What I find interesting is what was that moment for you you said that you just suddenly decided like i'm going to change i need to this isn't who i am why did that come about because for me i don't know if i've always had a growth mindset but i think i've always been involved in competitive sports at a very high level so when i was a kid i would be you know busy on a daily basis i'd be doing hours and hours of sport i represented um great britain really young for gymnastics trampolining American football. So for me, I don't, I don't know whether I would say that it was a grind growth mindset, but I definitely had like the underpinnings of, I recognized that if something was challenging and I worked hard towards it, I would achieve it. And then I, I guess the self-esteem came from that. Mm. Um, so what was that kind of Kickstarter for you? Um, I think a combination of things. Uh, I grew up, my granddad, loved martial arts and we used to stay up late watching Bruce Lee movies, all the old ones, Jackie Chan. Yeah. Um, so I loved martial arts and I had a passion for that, the passion for moving. And, you know, I, I grew up in the countryside. I loved being outdoors and stuff. And then there was a point between like poor mental health and stuff that I gained weight and gained weight. And then I wasn't able to do what I wanted to do. And then there was that, hang on, you know, and I saw people around me. I saw uh, like, guys getting the girls I wasn't confident enough to chase the girls because I was fat I felt crap about myself um and yeah that was that this isn't who I want to be I look in the mirror I'm big I'm that's not me that's not who I felt inside um and in terms of growth mindset like I've realized that my dad installed that in me um very very lucky um he's a sort of did well with with himself in business and he's always brought me up with whatever you want to do you can do it Mm -hmm. just just that self-belief that whatever it is you work hard and you can achieve it so I kind of had that belief and once it that sort of realization clicked I was like actually no have a word with yourself Daniel like this isn't who you want to be let's do something about it and so that then I just clicked and found the knowledge and applied myself to it. Mm. I think, um, you know, that's a really, really good thing that you had there. There's a, there's a, a question that sprang to my mind as you were talking was, do you think growth mindset is something that you can develop 
is it you know this is like kind of like the age old is it nature versus nurture kind of thing you know what, what are your thoughts on that i definitely think it's something you can develop absolutely it's not something that's taught to us really like in schooling system is designed to make worker bees and you're put into your classes very quickly you're you do these assessment tests if you don't do very well you're in like the bottom class and and then that leads to like a self-fulfilling prophecy because you might not think you're very good at english or maths or anything like that um but the reality is if you apply yourself you get the right tutoring you learn in a way that supports you whether you're visual audio um you know all these different learning ways of learning you can and of course there's I don't really believe in limits. Certainly there's uh, better ways of applying your time. If you're really like flogging a dead horse, you know, you can pivot and find something that you, that may align better for you, but yeah, you can absolutely develop a, a growth mindset. And it's, I think it's a misconception as well that you either have a, have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset. You can have a growth mindset in some areas of your life and not others. Like for myself personally, I know if I apply myself to any martial art or any really sport, because I've always been very good at sport and adapted quite well. Um, you know, I may not be the best at any sport, but I can pick up a bat or ball or whatever it is. And within long, I'll be all right. I won't be bad. Um, so that cool, great growth mindset. I can apply myself with that. But when it came to technology and stuff, I was like, I'm just no good at that. Can't do that. Yeah. You know, and actually I, it's something I'm, I'm developing is stop using those words. And I'm like, oh, I've got a fixed mindset when it comes to technology. No, that's mm -hmm. a limiting belief that's stopping me from doing stuff I need to do to achieve my goals. Hmm. so it's then trying to learn and apply a growth mindset there and just having that awareness of where you're saying i'm no good or i can't it's i can't yet but i can if i yeah. apply i loved that um when i when we i think it was the second men's circle that i went to and we were talking about you know language and it's something that i've always been mindful with in in some regards to how i communicate with others hmm. But when I've communicated with myself internally, um, I've, I, I guess from, from a sporting background, I've been very, I've been my worst critic. I've been very harsh, very callous. You know, if, if I can't do something, like I should be able to do it. But why should I? If I've never done something, like there's no reason as to why you should be good at anything. And, and you know, just continuing what you said there about language, I thought that was a really interesting point that you made when you were talking about it's, it's almost like an affirmation. It's almost like it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I, I do positive affirmations. I do things like that. So it's, it's bizarre to me that in, in, in one sense, in one regard, you can be, I don't want to say awake or, you know, woke or anything like that, but you can be aware, can't you? But then just be completely ignorant in one end. So it's interesting because I do think, I agree. I think it's a spectrum as opposed to, I have a growth or a fixed. So yeah, that was really interesting to touch on. I think as well, what I'd love to dive into is toxic masculinity. Because for me, I think even so society has got to this point now where 
I believe that it's well it, I'll talk from a, a personal perspective I almost had to kind of carefully describe the men's circle for, for some internal reasoning I, I'm, I'm not quite aware of yet but I kind of thought well I don't want it I don't want people to think that I'm just going to this like men's circle group and we're just like you know a bunch of lads all just doing like toxic stuff and just you know trying to be like men um and it's interesting that it's I think a lot of people feel that way so let's talk toxic masculinity what exactly is it and how can we avoid it and, and what can we do to go away from that area mm. so toxic masculinity is like an, an unhealthy attachment to sort of archaic definitions of being a man mm -hmm. like toughness um, aggression being mm -hmm. emotionally callous mm -hmm. um, certainly suppressing anything feminine emotions compassion empathy homosexuality all of these things are part of toxic masculinity and you can see that in the way people behave and the way what language people use um, and it's there's a lot of it in society you know i think growing up certainly a lot of young men they get their socialization through sports uh, generally um and then when they're a bit older they go to the pub and these are kind of breeding grounds for toxic masculinity um and not being able to talk about serious stuff talk about feelings talk about emotions because again that's the stuff that should be suppressed what we should be talking about is how tough we are how many birds we've banged you know slagging off anyone you know just all of this sort of really peacocking bravado bs really um and that's it's trying to bullshit isn't it really that's it oh yeah that this yeah absolutely um and it's also having like power and money as a main the main meaning in life mm. um that ties into that because then that doesn't account for any other meaning or purpose that actually adds value to other people's lives mm. yeah and i think it's interesting because you know again although i didn't really frequent the pubs that often um as a youngster but i did you know i did have that really competitive upbringing um you know, so there was, you know, when you fall over and, and hurt yourself or whatever, it's just kind of get up, get back on it. And it's not necessarily, it's, it's weird for me, you know, I, without, you know, playing a violin, like I didn't, I didn't really have a good role model growing up, you know, for positive masculinity. And, you know, there was no real um, guidance or advice. So I had to figure out a lot of stuff and, obviously got a lot of stuff wrong and, and will continue to do so. But mm. I think it's, it's, it's interesting because even now when we're, you know, hundreds of years down the line, like we still, I mean, I said something in, in the circle about, I feel like there's a massive disconnect. The more we've become technologically advanced, the less attuned we've been with ourselves because there's some sort of this egoic, um sense of you know we're better than we've ever been 
And I think that we've lost the ability to just check in with ourselves and be, you know, like, how are we as, as individuals, not necessarily even just as a collective, but, you know, are we checking in? Are we accepting feelings? Are we, are they acceptable to accept? Cause like I said to you, for me personally, for a long, long time, stress, like I said, I just wasn't, so, like I am a very laid back person, but I also didn't actually accept the feeling of stress. I didn't actually accept the feelings like of anger. For me, that was experience, but it was like, that's a very, it's a very healthy emotion to have. Obviously the way you express it determines whether it's a healthy thing or not, but you know, anger is one state of being, you know, it, it lets you know that something is unjust or wrong or, you know, whatever it might be. Now, how you choose to act is another thing. And I think that for me, as soon as I found out about the group, I, I loved the idea because I thought, you know what, like I, I don't have that positive role model, that influence. So getting together with a group of guys that are all working towards the end goal of being better on a day-to-day basis, weekly, monthly, whatever it is, just appealed to me so wholeheartedly and massively. Mm. Yeah, it's it's really important because uh, it's important to tackle it in, in, in several aspects. All right, we've got toxic masculinity that we need to tackle because men are just who feel the need to chase these stereotypes. Um, and these traits and project them they're not being true to themselves they're not being authentic they're trying to live up to a idea that isn't serving them ultimately and this leads down to bad mental health problems um, you know suicide rates for men are extortionately high um, and then of course abuse against other people it lashes out when you bottle them and suppress these emotions they lash out you know, mm-hmm. violence against women um, and just just unhealthy behavior. This is mental health stigma because it's not, you know, in, in the toxic sense, it's not manly to feel your emotions or to admit you've got emotions. You've just got to be a robot. Mm-hmm. But invariably in society, um, especially as we've got a big drink culture, where does it come out? Oh, it comes out when people get drunk, they'll burst into tears or they'll start fighting. Mm-hmm. I used to work doors, used to see it all the time. You know, it's it's sort of that that lack of um, acknowledging. Mm-hmm. The big reason for it is, um, well, there's several things. Like we we don't have a ritual process to take young boys into ma- manhood. There's not. We just don't have it anymore, um, and we'd probably have to look back hundreds and hundreds of years to find. A ritual process um you still have it in some some religions um but largely across the board, boards but certainly in uh, western society we've lost that so therefore young boys don't really you kind of just stumble and fumble into manhood i mean if you're a team sport maybe you're a part of a rugby team you're drinking beer out of a, another man's butt crack is probably about as ritualistic as you're gonna get you know it's not showing a healthy role model of of being a man um, so there's that aspect of lack of rituals and and guidance right like absent fathers both physically absent from our lives but also emotionally absent because uh, they're either working or they haven't been taught how to be 
good fathers, good role models, good men. And the generations go back. And the other thing is patriarchy. Um, I think there's a huge thing sort of against masculinity at the moment. And actually healthy masculinity is really needed. Um, yes, the toxic stuff we want to get away with, but we can't just bundle it up um, in, into one one terminology and masculinity is bad because it's not mm -hmm. um but patriarchy has damaged men and continues to damage men because it only serves the very few at the top mm -hmm. yes the very few at the top are men but that doesn't mean all men are bad it means they're profiting off everyone else's pain so patriarchy has suppressed the feminine and that's feminine in female bodies in females as also the feminine in us which is emotions feelings creativity um anything like that is normally and certainly in the toxic sense and in patriarchy has been shunned and suppressed mm. so you mentioned there and it and it's been we've spoken uh, on this podcast uh, to a couple of different people uh gus being one uh, Victoria being another, and, and they spoke on, kind of touched on it. What I would love is for you to kind of give a brief overview of what the divine masculine is and what the divine feminine is. Yeah, so like getting into to men's work and understanding, for me to get, when, when I got into this, I had to understand a lot more about masculinity because i realized there's this gap between um well, there's a gap and a reason why mental health is so bad especially for men and then understanding that where men fit in the modern world where hunter gatherer are not titles that are really needed mm -hmm. um more provider as um equalities coming in more and more rightly so but it leaves a lot of men lost. So that got me looking into sort of masculinity. Well, what is it to be a man? What does a man look like? If we're not out getting the food or no. earning the money, well, where, where's our role? And I do think that's a big reason why a lot of men find themselves lost or threatened. Um, so that got me into looking into masculinity and divine masculine and divine feminine. So these are energies, right? Mm -hmm energies that we all possess uh both men women and anyone else if you're in a body you'll have masculine and feminine energy um and they they have certain traits connected with them so the divine masculine is about centeredness um direction order uh, strength and reliance um, it's like driven and higher purpose so the divine masculine is very purposeful so we talk about purpose a lot um it's thrown around a lot but it's about serving something more than yourself uh, that could be god or that could be society that could even be your family but something that's more meaningful than just a self-serving life. So that's the divine masculine. Um, provide structure and awareness. Mm -hmm. 
So the divine feminine, on the other hand, is in is way more flowy energy, way more chaotic, all about feelings and life and emotions and compassion, creativity, artist, artistic. Um, and yeah, really like the life force of of the feeling and that, um, that connectedness. So they, they say the sort of divine masculine is the conscious awareness. So in uh, Hindu tradition, uh, you have uh, Shiva, who's divine masculine, is like the, the supreme meditator, the, the, the awareness. He gives structure for his counterpart, Shakti. Um, and she's the life force energy, that energy is flowing, it's all over the place. Um, and he provides the structure to contain the energy mm-hmm. of the feminine. Also the awareness uh, to appreciate and acknowledge this life. Um, and you see it in uh, Chinese traditions in yin and yang. So if you don't resonate with the masculine and feminine, you've got these other energies or ways of describing them so you've got yin and yang mm-hmm. and you have the obviously the, the famous um sphere with the the black and white and the and the black and white dots within them mm-hmm. again that difference in energies dark and light water and fire um and especially the yin and yang's a, a beautiful way of looking at it because you can see it as a whole and then how they work in synergy Mm-hmm. and it's about looking at that balance um and understanding how they work and they work in a way that's uh, it's called dynamic equilibrium so when one gets bigger the other one retracts and then you they'll come back into balance or you can work them back into balance but if i for instance wanted to if i really needed to be decisive over something mm. for instance say if my if my house was being threatened and I need to defend it, then I'm going to go really into my yang energy and my compassion and kindness is going out the window. It's like I'm filling with yang now because I need to fight and protect, protect my realm, protect my home. Mm-hmm. Um, so that so the yin goes down, the yang expands. Cool, I can fight, do that. Great, come back, then rebalance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we see that in different religions. Many religions um, have looked at the divine masculine and feminine. And again, it goes back to what I was saying, you know, thousands of years ago, it, it blows my mind that we just kind of had the, this understanding of ourselves that's so much more complex and detailed than, than we do now. Mm-hmm. And f- for myself, you know, I, I've always been a very, very logical thinker, you know, very, very, not emotionless, but I would think my way out of situations. If I had a problem, I would make sure that I, I did all the research I'd learn. I'd understand cool. That'll never happen again. Or whatever the situation was, that was my go-to mechanism. It was, I'm going to learn. I never really sat and just accepted that okay cool that that was actually that was really upsetting 
you know, and I never sat with the pain. I never sat and, and, you know, meditated with it, felt it, moved on from it. So when you're talking about the masculine, the feminine, the yin, the yang, we're not actually talking about males, females. This is a spectrum, right? This is something that goes on inside each and every one of us. Um, how do we we balance that? How do we access those if you are someone that is a bit more towards the the, the masculine side of things and you approach everything with a logic and, and, and very thoughtful and um, stoic, I guess, uh, approach? How do you start to tap into that more emotional side? How do you start to access that? Because that's a scary thing. Yeah, it is. Um, I often forget, like, now I'm in this work and now I lead these men's circles and I'm so used to this work now. I forget how I was at the beginning of this journey when the thought of opening up and talking about emotions, mm-hmm. like, you know, I've just spent the last 10 years pretending that I'm not sensitive by fighting in a cage. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> not, talking, not talking about my emotions. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, ah, there, there's things we can do, right? Mindset. <laughs> Firstly, we need to come back to mindset. Mm-hmm. We can do something about this growth mindset so straight away we need to approach it with an attitude and belief that we can make a change mm-hmm. um and balance is really important with 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 men so often in society because of toxic masculinity men need to balance their feminine energy a lot more mm-hmm. but also what we're seeing as well is a lot of females because um now there's a sort of tendency to for women to be very career driven um and i'm not saying this is rightly or wrongly but a lot of the career drive structure everything that's needed to be successful in most careers is masculine energy Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of women who need to balance their feminine again and come back into balance with that just Mm -hmm. as there's a lot of women who need to up their masculinity a little bit so they can set boundaries Mm -hmm. so for men it's definitely touching into that feminine allowing emotions in and you can do that in different ways Um, awareness is the first step great we're aware of these energies i'm aware that i need to feel a little bit more Mm -hmm. it's going to be uncomfortable it's going to be strange not sure i'm going to enjoy it but i know i need to do it so i'm going to do it having that mindset and then there's there's different things um, in terms of bringing in more feminine energy. Talking is a great one, and sitting and feeling. So, um, meditating is good, although a very masculine trait. But it's allowing instead of clearing your mind, allowing emotions in, finding what's going on, and sitting with the emotions, allowing them in instead of rejecting them and pushing them away and being like, "No, it's fine." Um, it's, it's interesting with Stoicism uh, and Buddhism, they, they have kind of very similar attitudes almost, but I find the big, a big difference is compassion. There's a lot more compassion in Buddhism. Mm. So it's, it's un, there's a lot more understanding there. There's a lot more empathy. There's a lot more compassion. The result is the same. You've got to accept. You can control what you can control, but the rest of it, you accept it and you carry on. But mm. I find from my interpretation and understanding that the difference is compassion. So I find Buddhist teachings very valuable for 
accessing compassion accessing the feminine energy mm-hmm. as well with the with the good balance of sort of structure from the masculine stuff like listening to music dancing like being creative drawing artwork anything like that is tapping into that feminine expressive energy mm-hmm. so it's allowing space for that i started to um, for anyone just listening, I started to to smile and almost laugh in that um, because I, as soon as you mentioned about the dancing, the image in my head just blew up of um, a school disco. Yeah, how how funny! Like it, I just literally suddenly thought it's like the perfect representation of masculine and feminine energy. You've got guys either just stood around running about, skidding on their knees, and like. Like punching each other, whatever they're like, we're doing, you know, yeah. tig, and then you've got the, the the females, the the girls. They're all dancing, like you know, expressing themselves. And then some of the guys, like, I I used to dance as a kid, but like nobody in my school knew because I was kind of so worried about the judgment of that. Like I used to do ballet, I used to do tap, I used to do. So this was another one of those things that I was just. It was a string to my bow, and I was just so busy with this like lifestyle of sport and uh dance and stuff but i remember thinking like i really want to go dance but then there was like all the boys were like over in the corner not doing anything just laughing having a having a little uh a jolly and 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 like i said running around like skidding on their knees um so i thought that was really interesting when when you mentioned that actually because that's it's it's something that i've not thought about but very very true Mm. And no one, no one set, sets those boundaries. It's, it's, it's such a weird thing. And from my understanding of psychology, I don't think it's even necessarily what's said, but it's what's necessarily unsaid because we want to be accepted by the tribe, right? Mm-hmm. So I think doing something that goes outside the norm, it's a risk. Yeah, definitely. And, then, and, and all those, those boys would have learned that behaviour or learned what's cool or what's not cool, what's masculine and not masculine from their fathers if they're around mm-hmm. or media. Mm. You know, they will have learned from society. Yeah. Perpetuates. So the other thing leading on from psychology, I absolutely love. It's one of my biggest passions. I love reading about psychology and, and probably just because, like I said, it's my main kind of go-to, the logical side of analytical side of my brain. That's probably why, because the interest stems from why do I want to figure everything out? Why do I want to get control of, a, of everything to make sure that, you know, whether it's hurt, success, whatever. Um, you mentioned something in the, 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 the men's circle, and it's kind of the pattern of every, every or the introduction about... Carl Jung's archetypes mm. and I would love to go into a bit of detail on that because it, it, it was very fascinating and and I think it would be very applicable for a lot of people mm. yeah so the archetypes are fascinating and they provide a really nice framework for us to develop and mature as men mm-hmm. um, I'm still learning a lot about them I'm by no means an expert um but it's really interesting every time I look at them, every time I read um, read more on them, there's like another layer or another perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the archetypes I use at the men's circles are based on Robert Moore's 
book, uh, King Warrior, Magician Lover. Um, and his work's based off Carl Jung's work. Mm-hmm. And archetypes are like a... He describes them as like an energy that we can tap into. Uh, so Carl Jung believes these archetypes ingrained in all of humans in our um, in our unconscious. And that's through everyone, all of humanity. So it's kind of like um, animals have instincts. So if a little baby duck hatches, it will imprint on the nearest, hopefully, mama duck. But if they're not available, you or anyone. Um, so that's an instinct. But he says um, that these archetypes have been through humanity for since humans evolved. Because you see them all coming up time and time again through stories and through history. So, yeah, the... The more I learn about them, the the more they're just they're they're really fascinating and they're they're really powerful tools for us to develop and navigate. Because the great thing about yes, we want to work on ourselves, right? But we want to make sure we're going in the right direction. Because mm-hmm. as we know, growth isn't linear. We're going to go up, we're going to go down, we're going to fall off a cliff and hopefully scramble back up again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of the journey. So the archetypes have their main archetype in their fullness so they're mature this is the archetype and the main energy we want to tap into and access Mm -hmm. um so if i go into them a little bit we've got the warrior which i've tapped into a lot of in my in my suppression of my sensitivity and my my lover archetype i've tapped into the warrior by learning how to fight Mm -hmm. um but the warriors skillful disciplined for me like everything martial arts teach teaches um defending boundaries really important mm-hmm. but that's not just physically that is emotionally that is when we're it stops us from taking advantage of right it's learning to say no and then reinforcing that if we need to and having the awareness to do that um drive the warriors driven and he serves a higher purpose and he's he's the creative destroyer which means he can destroy stuff but that's only to make way for better things Hmm. it's not just needlessly destroying stuff for the sheer hell of it and enjoyment so the warrior is is that really fiery energy and it's i link it to the to the fire element um they also have the ability to be emotionally detached so a healthy well-rounded warrior archetype can as as i mentioned earlier sort of suppress the feminine emotions kindness and compassion if they're needing to carry out a task for the overall good um and and be a warrior in uh, be a soldier in the sort of very literal physical sense mm-hmm. um they can detach emotionally for the for the sole benefit of achieving the higher purpose um and the warriors are very mindful very decisive and intentional with its actions so that's the warrior in its fullness um, with all of these, there's uh, a shadow aspects, and we can touch on that after afterwards. Yeah, I'd love to. That'd be great because um, it's 
really interesting. That's where the tools get really, really, really good. Mm. Um, so the, the magician um, next is about gathering knowledge. Uh, the magician is a storyteller, so it gathers knowledge, tells stories to impart this and, and spread this wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, the alchemizer of life. So this is basically the magician has a growth mindset. He will turn the bad situations in life into good by taking the lessons, taking the gold and the silver lining out of those of, of all the bad stuff mm-hmm. and turning it into wisdom. He's reflective. He's a very skilled meditator really concerned about balancing and understanding his internal world with his external world. Because a lot of what I teach with growth mindset links into this. If you can control the controllables and ultimately what we can control is how we think and feel and how we understand. So by reflecting and looking at ourselves internally, we can change our external world, whether that be by the things we attract but the situations we're in because we've changed ourselves. Hmm. So uh, that's the magician, clarity of thinking, spiritual meditator, master of technology. So any, any say profession that really needs skills, like scientists, lawyers, like even a, you know, a, a car mechanic who knows that engine inside out, the magician archetype there that knowledge uh, and magicians will then take on apprentices and teach and pass down um, again overall the same with the warrior is these the the archetypes in their fullness serve something more than themselves mm-hmm. again whether that be humanity a higher power god um a king um, whatever, but they they serve a higher purpose. They're not self-serving. Um, the next one, the lover. So the lover archetype may be one that's more suppressed in in men. Uh, it's much. It's very much more in the feminine energy. So it's compassionate, kindness, empathy. Um, it's it's the lover in terms of yes with your partner but also like loving father loving brother um loving nature it's sensual so connected to the senses uh so enjoys life enjoys food enjoys music enjoys dance enjoys being creative so creative and um artistic are traits of the lover archetype Again, sort of in service and not self-serving because if we're self-serving, that can lead to some of the shadow aspects. Lastly, the king. So the king archetype is kind of embodies all of them, but with an overlay of centeredness Mm -hmm. and um, wisdom. So the king archetype is in service of something more than himself. He's not there just to be the king and, and lord above everyone else. He wants um, wants everyone to flourish. So he's very generative. He wants things to grow and will encourage that. He's like the protector of his realm. Um, so what he does is relies, not relies, but uh, draws on the other archetypes as and when he needs them. Mm-hmm. So he's the protector of his realm. 
how does he protect the realm while well, he uses his wisdom from the magician and then uses his um the, the warrior boundary setting to extend or defend his boundaries as and when he needs them um he's the provider so he provides for his realm as, uh, and everything and this is we can talk about our realm but our realm could be our family unit it might just be us it's our immediate vicinity it's our community though as well and mm. providing making sure people can flourish trying to build people up and the king is the king is the archetype that we want to get closest to because he's the one that can draw on the other three. He's the one that's wise, mm-hmm. um, mature. He is the divine masculine, ultimately. Um, and it's really what they say, uh, Robert Moore says in his book, is that we want to treat these archetypes and especially like the king energy as energy. Um, we can't ego attach to them. Mm-hmm. we can't attach we can't identify you can't go around saying yeah i'm a king i'm the king i'm identifying as a king yeah. although i might do i don't know <laughs> but no we can't identify as the king we we want to be embodying the king energy as and when we can we want to get as close to it as possible but if we then get too close and identify as the king that's when our ego is taken over mm-hmm. and become more self-serving self-righteous and uh yeah care too much about ourselves so how do we i mean i've already mentioned that previous to um it's funny because previous to learning about psychology and and learning about these archetypes that the the base level of knowledge that i have and and you know go into therapy and, and those sorts of things i thought i was quite you know um, self-aware mm-hmm. I think yeah self-aware is the word I'll use and um, I thought I'd kind of figured out a lot of shit in my life because when it came to like I said like I you know if it was business if it was a personal problem research so for me the one when you started describing those archetypes the first session and you were you were describing the wizard I was like oh like that's really funny actually because I'd never heard of this I'd heard of Carl Jung's archetypes, but I had no understanding of it. So I was, I was ignorant to what it was, mm-hmm. but it was interesting when you started to describe it, because for me, I think I was very blocked off from certain elements of the warrior, certain elements mm-hmm. of the lover. Um, and was very much my, my kind of first thought process was right. How do we like figure this out? So I guess what I'm, I'm where I'm going with this is where where do we where do we move? So if if there's a, an initial thir- first thought, um, you know, it could be let's say it's anger. How do we kind of know if we're just running to the warrior or running straight to the the love? How do we embody, as you say, the king that that draws on all of the opinions of the other three? and then makes a self-led decision? Hmm. Yeah, good question. Awareness first. Like, the more we learn about these archetypes, the more awareness we'll have 
um, on where they impact our life and where we may be acting more in one archetype than the other or even in a breakdown from there in their shadow aspects mm-hmm. so awareness and how do we get become aware we have to reflect so bringing stuff like mindfulness into our lives journaling is really powerful this stuff you know write these up, learn about them look at the qualities and then write out how you're and you're in every different situation you might be again in these different archetypes mm-hmm so we need to understand, so we need to educate ourselves and have the knowledge that we can have the awareness, but then we need to be able to implement that and relate that to ourselves. So we need to be mindful so we can meditate. Mm. We can have focused meditation on certain, these, uh, certain aspects where it's more of a contemplation rather than meditation. Um, but journaling is powerful for this kind of stuff. And then we can see it's been really honest, really honest with where we are. We can talk if we have someone who we trust, who knows us fairly well, we can bounce ideas off and just check in with people and say, look, this is how I think where I'm at. Would you agree? Would you not? We've got to bear in mind that everyone has their viewing things from their own perspective. Mm -hmm. So we can use them as a tool but it's not the only tool our self-reflection is really important because it's all about how we feel and view ourselves anyway Mm -hmm. and then we can write lists we can write this stuff down and really try and unpick and assess and generally just become very mindful on how we act in different situations Mm. there's certainly times when i am For instance, I'll give you an example here. What's been really interesting for me is setting boundaries. So in my personal relationship, I'm trying to set a boundary, which is healthy. Setting boundaries is healthy. It's something very important to learn. But if you're, say, in the um, passive shadow So there's a shadow of all of these archetypes that is kind of passive, kind of self-inflicting the pains inflicted on ourselves, right? So if you're generally in that passive shadow and you need to set more boundaries because you have none, you want to go to the fullness and go up. They they, they describe it in a triangle, like a pyramid. Mm -hmm. You've got the the two, the the positive and uh, negative shadows either side of the bottom and the fullness at the top. You want to get to the fullness. But so often like a pendulum doesn't swing from one side and lands in the middle. We overshoot it. So I've noticed sometimes within setting boundaries, I accidentally overshoot it and become a bit too much the other side. Mm. The, the, the bipolar or shadows of the warrior is the sadist uh, and the masochist. The masochist is the passive shadow. The sadist inflicting pain on other people is the positive shadow. But with awareness, I'm I'm trying to set my boundary. Okay, I might have overstepped the mark and defended it a bit too much. And now actually I've caused some pain to my partner. Mm-hmm. Um, not physical pain, emotional pain. I'm gonna make that very clear. <laughs> but then I'm like, ah, because I've got the awareness, then I'm like, then I have a conversation there. 
I'm like, I'm really sorry, darling. Like I'm, I'm trying to learn how to instate my boundaries, but without overstepping that feedback, you know, you're then applying these things, but because I've got awareness of these bipolar aspects and they're called bipolar because they're on the same, when you're in the shadow of these archetypes, it's a sliding scale, as we've mentioned, as with pretty much anything in life, right? We want to be, the problem is if you're in the shadow, you'll slide from one side to the other. We need to bring awareness to our shadow aspects, develop them so we can become the embodied, the full version of each of these archetypes. Hmm. So what are the shadows of the other so we mentioned the testing me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we mentioned the warrior. So we've got the shadows of the king, the lover, and the wizard. Yeah. So lover is the addict mm-hmm. in the positive uh, pole, and the impotent lover in the negative. Um, so briefly, like the addicts, just in this because the lover is sensual. The the addict loves any senses and gets addicted to everything. So vices, um, whether that be food, drink, porn, women, like anything, anything Mm. that can be felt, it's addicted, always looking for something more to solve their lacking um, of their feeling of restlessness, lack of boundaries as well, (laughs) lack Mm. of structure. They don't have any structure, therefore they just flitter between one thing and the next trying to chase. Whereas the impotent has too much structure, very, very dull, very grey, depressed, that kind of feeling, doesn't really feel life. Um, so they're those, those two, um, for the lover, magician is the innocent and denying one in the passive shadow. So once the responsibility, uh, once the once title, sorry, of the magician, but doesn't want the responsibility, doesn't want to put in the work to gain the knowledge to get the title. Okay. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, the denying innocent one. The one that I find interesting about that is it, it, the denying innocent one hides hostility behind naivety. Okay. So passive aggression. You know, when someone's being passive and this is really used and you, if you having awareness of the stuff, you can see how it happens in society. People yeah. who are manipulative and then when called out by someone's warrior energy saying, hey, you're doing this. Like, oh, no, 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 I wasn't. I wasn't doing that. Oh, you know, they completely act naive to the whole yeah. situation. Um, Just so like the whole passive aggression. Yeah, massively. Um, but that disarms the warrior because then the warrior's not really got someone who can go at if they're denying responsibility. Mm. And, then, and then the other side of the magician is the detached manipulator who will manipulate people, give them knowledge, but not all of the knowledge. So they have to keep coming back to them, mm-hmm. keep feeding them little nuggets, but never giving them the whole picture or purposely withdrawing certain knowledge to cause them harm can be cruel. Um, a hair splitter, someone who will, I remember being at a body power expo and uh, I think it was Phil Lerney seminar. Mm. And, the, and the, there was someone in the audience just started hair splitting, put his hand up for something. And I was just, everyone's like, oh, shut up. Like, it, 
why because he wanted the title of the magician he wanted to be up there doing his thing so where well, he can't be up there so instead i'm gonna sit here split hairs and try and show my knowledge um so that's how that you know and we can see that a lot certainly in the in the fitness industry and in most industries um and they're the armchair adventurers so they're people who sit back keyboard warriors <laughs> you know will criticize other people be cruel try and break people down why because they're not doing it themselves you mm. see it a lot mixed martial arts when because i follow a lot of mixed martial arts you get all the armchair critics who are like criticizing them slagging them off and they probably wouldn't have the balls to step in let alone on the mats but into the cage in their life so um yeah that's that magician those bipolar shadows and then and then the king we have the we have the abdicator and the tyrant mm. so the abdicator shuns responsibility okay doesn't want doesn't want to step up into his fullness doesn't want the responsibility and in fact he projects king qualities onto other people oh that person will be much better suited for the task mm -hmm. that person will lead okay um and it's from a feeling of insecurity and not uh, not feeling worthy to lead um and then we have the tyrant on the other hand who lords power over others hmm. um who breaks other people down they see everyone as threats really so they're either seeing people as threats and breaking them down or they're putting people in their place mm -hmm. um it's kind of the difference between being confident and arrogant. The difference is how you make other people feel and how you go about doing it. If you break other people down, mm. you're arrogant. Um, and that's a, so that that one is a really interesting, obviously, because we want to be in our king energy as often as possible. Um, I've been to a few workshops on this, and it's interesting that abdicator is more the role that most men relate to most they find it harder to be in their tyrant um whereas some you know some people are just tyrannical by nature and they enjoy being in their tyrant they enjoy um putting other people down and make elevating themselves above um and one thing that i've read today which i want to share is that uh, which was really interesting just to articulate that is if you scratch a tyrant and you'll find a weakling, an abdicator. But if you pressure a weakling, you'll find a tyrant. So this speaks to how you can flip between one and the other. Mm -hmm. And this might be, I, I laugh at this because this is like, I, I've, I relate more to the abdicator um, and have done. So I'm much more embodied in my king energy now than I ever have. But I know that still, it, I mix, I, I'm like the warrior king, but in his shadows sometimes. So if keep pushing me, keep pushing me. I'm nice, I'm nice. I'm not going to set my boundaries. I'm being too nice, being too nice. Oh, you've pushed me. And instead of stating my boundaries verbally, I want to <laughs> use my, my martial art experience to um, instate them. You know, I've gone straight over to the tyrant. I've been pressured, too nice, not enough boundaries. Oh, now I want to punch you. Yeah. You know, and that's part of my journey is to before I get to that stage is healthily step into my warrior in his fullness and my king in his fullness and say, this isn't acceptable. These are my boundaries. Mm. And and 
basically this is where the line is if you mm. cross it again i'm going to reinforce it and instead of getting physical with it because there's no need for that if you keep crossing if you keep pushing these boundaries you're just out of my life boom like mm-hmm. set my boundary healthily done not accepting it great out the life you go and that's how we can implement and use these this knowledge this awareness of the different archetypes to really fine-tune our self-development mm. our journey into be being better more well-rounded men Hi everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode. The reason why I've cut this short here is because this conversation, I think, provides so much value. Uh, And this episode ran a lot longer than my usual episodes. So what I've decided to do is do this in two parts. And I think this will be particularly beneficial because it means that you'll be able to get through all of the knowledge. You won't be pausing it halfway through and, and forgetting that you've listened to it Um, and and miss some absolute gold in the second half so the next episode will be out in a few days please let me know what you think of this and as always thank you so much for listening I appreciate each and every one of you listening to this if you take any value from any of these episodes please share them onto your stories on Instagram share them with your friends with your family and also if I could please ask rate the podcast you know that really helps to spread the word about what we're trying to achieve here by enlightening people, inspiring people, educating, informing, and just providing, hopefully, some entertainment as well. So that's it from me. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope you enjoy part two.